Donald Trump is a textbook narcissist, no regard for anybody but himself, always has been. Today, we've learned that the depths of his selfishness and disregard for others were even deeper than previously known. On the day of the 26th, right before Trump tested positive, he held that infamous celebration for his new Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett. It's a big pro-life party in there, inside and without masks or social distancing. Trump, who was in the middle of a heated campaign season, then tested positive after that event. So he tests positive for that event. It's before a scheduled rally in Pennsylvania, a rally which, as you can see from the footage we are showing, he did not cancel. The next day, get this, oh, it gets better. September 27th, Trump meets with Gold Star families at the White House. Those, of course, families of fallen soldiers, surviving members of U.S., surviving family members of U.S. server members who were given their life and who are mourning their deaths. And he meets with them having tested positive, again, without masks or social distancing. Look how close they are. The day after that, September 28th, Trump held two outdoor events, one of which, ironically, was on the subject of COVID testing. Now, that event struck people as pretty odd at the time. Look at that visual. Trump spoke notably distanced from the other attendees. Have you ever seen Mike Pence stand that far away from the guy? Seriously. At the event, Trump made this crack to then-COVID testing czar. I would like to ask Admiral Girard to come up and demonstrate how these tests are performed. He'll do this very nicely, I think. Good luck. Hope you don't test positive. The Fox News decision desk can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th president of the United States. Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, who stated in this process, I will never give up fighting for you and our nation, will be denied a second term. That has not happened since 1992 and President George H.W. Bush. Keep in mind, the Trump campaign is in the midst of waging legal challenges in several states, but the path is clear for the new president-elect. At one point in 2016, when he was first running for office, Donald Trump said this, I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters. That quote came to mind last week when audio from Trump advisor Steve Bannon surfaced from October 31st, 2020, just a few days before the presidential election. Let's listen. And what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory. But that doesn't mean he's the winner. He's just going to say he's the winner. The Democrats, more of our people vote early that count. Theirs voted mail. And so they're going to have a natural disadvantage, and Trump's going to take advantage of it. That's our strategy. He's going to declare himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a firestorm. Also, also if, Trump is, if Trump is losing by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, it's going to be even crazier. <laughs> no, because he's going to sit right there and say they stole it. If Biden's winning... Trump is going to do some crazy shit. In a stunning display from a sitting president, Donald Trump launching an assault on the integrity of the election, unleashing a barrage of false claims of fraud and corruption without evidence. If you count the legal votes, 
I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. Okay, thank you very much. Hello, Brad and Ryan and everybody. We appreciate the time and the call. Um, so we've spent a lot of time on this. And uh, if we could just go over some of the numbers, I think it's pretty clear that we won. We won very substantially, uh, Georgia. Uh, you even see it by rally size, frankly. We'd be getting 25,000, 30,000 people a rally and uh, the competition would get less than 100 people, and it never made sense. But we have a, a number of things. We have at least two or three, anywhere from 250 to 300,000 ballots were dropped mysteriously into the rolls. Much of that had to do with uh, Fulton County, uh, which hasn't been checked. We so how many ballots would you estimate in front of you that you observed were counted multiple times in the machine? Can you put a number to it, an estimated number? At least, at least 30,000. At least 30,000. This isn't counting, you know, the ballots that are found in rivers, the ballots found under rocks. I had called my manager over to a specific uh, tabulating machine. At that point, I was just really frustrated and upset. I, I could tell what was going on. I, I knew what was going on at that point. What was going on? Um, he was in on it. He was in on it. They were all in on it. In on what? They were cheating. It, it, it was very, very apparent. It was apparent he knew. It was apparent that he was in on it. And when he caught on to me being in, knowing, me knowing that he was in on it, he just wanted nothing to do with me. The company counting our vote with control over our vote is owned by two Venezuelans who were allies of Chavez, our present allies of Maduro, with a company whose chairman is a close associate and business partner of George Soros, the biggest donor to the Democrat Party, the biggest donor to Antifa, and the biggest donor to Black Lives Matter. Mike Lindell, election fraud expert, also sells some pillows on the side. Uh, he went on CNN <clears throat> to talk about uh, his latest attempt to convince people that the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. Again, uh, so when he went there to talk, uh, he went there to talk with a reporter Drew Griffin on CNN. And uh, Drew Griffin had just one question for him after he gave him all this evidence and information about just how the election was stolen. Drew Griffin had one question. Here it is. What is this? That's just yeah. one piece of 1.2 billion lines of data from the election. Okay, there's within that will be timestamps of when of when it happened. There'll be flips in there. So we sent this to our own experts. Mm -hmm. He said that, that it doesn't show any specific actions of any kind, election related or not, and it's proof of of nothing. Okay, so he said that's nothing, huh? Well, he's wrong. Then you didn't hire a cyber expert. Dominion operators went in and injected votes and changed the whole system. They run a computer algorithm on it as needed to either flip votes, take votes out, or alter the votes to make a candidate win. It has been used all over the world to defy the will of people who wanted freedom. There is statistical evidence, there is all kinds of mathematical evidence, uh, essentially forensic evidence. Dominion and its minions and other state officials everywhere are apparently out there trying to destroy everything they can get to before we can seize it. They had this all planned, Maria. 
it is one huge, huge criminal conspiracy. Talking about some massive straight lines up in the vote tallies in the middle of the night after they've supposedly stopped counting. And that's when the Dominion operators went in and injected votes and changed the whole system. And it affects votes around the country, around the world, and all kinds of massive interests of globalist dictators, corporations, you name it. Everybody's against us except President Trump and we the people of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a basic question. Do facts matter? Yes, they do. I hope we get to them one of these days as to what really happened in our election and all the people who are responsible for it. Fox News alert. This just in, a new tweet from the president. To all those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20, 20th. For all those who have asked. I think inaugurations signal a tradition of a peaceful transfer of power that is over two centuries old. Well, I think uh, the fact that the three of us are standing here talking about a peaceful transfer of power speaks to the uh, in institutional integrity of our country. So this is an unusual thing. We are both trying to come back to normalcy, deal with totally abnormal challenges, and do what we do best, which is try to make a more perfect union. It's an exciting time. We've got to not just listen to folks we agree with, but listen to folks we don't. Uh, and. You know, one of my fondest memories of the inauguration was uh, the, the grace and generosity that President Bush showed me and Laura Bush showed Michelle. And it was a reminder that we can have fierce disagreements uh, and yet recognize each other's common humanity and that as Americans, uh, we have more in common than what separates us. I think if uh, Americans would uh, love their neighbor like they would like to be loved themselves, uh, uh, a lot of the division in our society would end. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden, Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden, Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. Will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. Well, Mr. President, Madam Vice President, while the uh, pandemic has sadly limited our usual hospitality, as others have mentioned, <clears throat> I'm very glad we still carry on some of our favorite inaugural traditions. It's my honor and privilege to help present these flags of our nation that were flown over today's event here at the Capitol. Now, I have to make one point of personal privilege on behalf of the Senate. With all due respect to our distinguished speaker and our colleagues from the House, I have to note 
Not only did we just swear in a son and daughter of the Senate to these high offices, but indeed both these former senators skipped the House altogether. <laughs> the Star Spangled Banner is our greatest symbol of our endurance of the American idea. It flies over this building on triumphant days and on tragic ones, over all factions and all parties. And today this flag flew over our former colleague's inauguration as the very first female Vice President of the United States. So to our very distinguished former colleague, Madam Vice President, please accept this flag with the highest compliments and congratulations of the United States Senate. Well, President Biden, Vice President Harris, Dr. Biden and Mr. Imhoff, on behalf of uh, the Republicans in Congress, congratulations. Very proud of you both. When President Washington was sworn in as the first president of the United States, only a handful of people saw the ceremony or heard the famous first inaugural address. Today, the inauguration is seen around the nation and indeed around the world. Yet the task facing the nation is no less momentous than it was in Washington's time. I listened to your speech today. You talked among the tension and division. Our task as leaders is to bind this nation's wounds and dedicate ourselves to the values of all Americans share together. With modern technology, just a few minutes ago, it captured in these pictures. History in the making for all the world to see. This picture should serve as a reminder of that task that we have before us. As a very proud son of California, it is my honor to present to a very proud daughter of California as well. Today, Vice President Harris made history, and all of America should celebrate that. But we should also remember that this is not the end, but just the beginning. As leaders, we are judged not by our words, but by our actions. So let's go forth from here together, accomplish great things for the American people. And every time you look at this photo, remember the beginning of the job we have to do. Congratulations. As we provide answers to American people about January 6th, it's important that we remember exactly what took place, that this was no tourist visit to the Capitol. Most of the footage we are about to play has never been seen. The select committee obtained it as a part of our investigation. This isn't easy to watch. I want to warn everyone that this video includes violence and strong language. Without objection, I include in the record a video presentation of the violence of January 6th. Proud of your boy! Proud of your boy! Proud of your boy! Yeah, just for awareness, be advised, there's probably about 300 uh, Proud Boys that are marching eastbound in this uh, 400 block of um, kind of independence actually on the mall towards the United States Capitol. 
I am not allowed to say what's going to happen today because everyone's just going to have to watch for themselves. But it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Who speaks our streets? Who speaks our streets? Who speaks our Side. These are our streets. Twenty bucks a picture. <laughs> I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. All Vice President Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify, and we become president. And you are the happiest people. Mike Pence is going to have to come through for us. And if he doesn't, that will be a, a sad day for our country. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Cruiser 50, it does look like we're going to have an ad hoc march stepping off here. There's a crowd surge heading east. I hope you're going to stand up for the good of our Constitution and for the good of our country. And if you're not, I'm going to be very disappointed in you, I will tell you right now.
think we have a breach of the Capitol. Breach of the Capitol to the upper level. They're requesting additional resources on the east side as they've broken into that window and they're trying to kick it in. Without objection, the chair declares the House in recess pursuant to Clause 12B of Rule 1. Be advised that Capitol Police is going to start moving their resources inside. They're going to start the M4 officers first.
H208 with four members. The doors barricade. There's people flooded the hallways outside. We have no way out. Officers still remaining on the house floor, in the on the third floor, to use the subways themselves. It's time to evacuate so we can secure the members on the other side. Copy. It's up to us people now, the American people. What are you ready to do? One more time. What are you ready to do? And whatever it takes, I'll lay my life down if it takes. Absolutely. That's why we showed up today. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had a election. Let me say. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. Well, let me give you my view of what happened January the 6th. And we're all, we're here, we're here, we, we, we saw what happened. It was a violent insurrection for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power after a legitimately certified election from one administration to the next. That's what it was. I rise to address what happened in this chamber today and where do we go from here? The violence, destruction, and chaos we saw earlier was unacceptable, undemocratic, and un-American. It was the saddest day I've ever had as serving as a member of this institution. The Capitol was in chaos. Police officers were attacked. Guns were drawn on this very floor. 
a woman tragically lost her life. No one wins when this building and what it stands for are destroyed. America and this institution is better than this. If you're a conservative, this is the most offensive concept in the world that a single person could disenfranchise 155 million people. The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and the House of Representatives, open all certificates and the votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes for President shall be President. Where in there does it say, Mike can say, I don't like the results. I want to send them back to the states. I believe there was fraud. To the conservatives who believe in the Constitution, now is your chance to stand up and be counted. Originalism, count me in. It means what it says. So, Mike, Mr. Vice President, just hang in there. They, they said we can count on Mike. All of us can count on the Vice President. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to do the constitutional thing. You got a son who flies F-35s. You got a son-in-law who flies F-18s. They're out there flying so that we can get it right here. There are people dying to my good friend from Illinois, to make sure we have a chance to argue among ourselves, and when it's over, it is over. It is over. The final thing, Joe Biden, I've traveled the world with Joe. I hoped he lost. I prayed he would lose. He won. He's the legitimate president of the United States. Today, members of the House of Representatives, in a bipartisan way, pause in solemn recognition of the violent attack on the Capitol that occurred two years ago on January 6, 2021. We are joined by the families of several heroic police officers who gave their lives protecting the Congress, the Constitution, and the country. We are gathered here to honor their memory and acknowledge with deep gratitude the tremendous bravery of the hundreds of officers who defended us at this citadel of democracy that fateful day. As a result of the events on January 6th, the lives of five heroic officers were lost. Another brave Capitol Police officer lost his life defending the Capitol on April 2nd, 2021. 140 officers were seriously injured that day. Many more will forever be scarred. avalanche of all these allegations of fraud that built up over a number of days and it was like playing whack-a-mole because something would come out one day and then the next day it would be another issue.
Also, I was influenced by the fact that all the early claims uh, that I understood on, uh, were, were completely bogus and silly and usually based on complete misinformation. And so I, I didn't consider the quality of claims right out of the box to, to give me any you know, feeling that there was really substance here. But I also felt it was time for me to say something. So on, I had I set up a, a lunch with the AP reporter, Mike Balsamo, and I told him at lunch, I uh, made this statement um, that to date we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. And the president was as mad as I've ever seen him, and he was trying to control himself. And the president said, well, this is you know, killing me. Uh, you didn't have to say this. You must have said this because you hate Trump. You hate Trump. And uh, I told him that the stuff that his people were shoveling out to the public were bull was bullshit. I mean, that the claims of fraud were bullshit. And, uh, you know, he was indignant about that. And... Um, I reiterated that they'd wasted a whole month on these claims on the Dominion voting machines, and they were idiotic claims. I specifically raised the Dominion voting machines, which I found to be among the most uh, disturbing allegations, disturbing in the sense that I saw absolutely zero basis for the allegations, but they were made in such a sensational way that they obviously were influencing a lot of people, uh, members of the public, that there was this systemic corruption in the system and that their votes didn't count and that these machines controlled by somebody else were actually determining it, which was complete nonsense. And it was being laid out there. And I told them that it was that it was uh, crazy stuff and they were wasting their time on that. And uh, it was doing a great, grave disservice to the country. Remember former Trump lawyer Sidney Powell? Well, she's back in the news and not in a good way. You might recall that for weeks after November 3rd, Powell hurled wild accusations of voter fraud, including the bogus claim that the former president was the victim of a rigged election. Most of her conspiracy theories centered around Dominion Voting Systems, a company that manufactured some of the election equipment used in November. Never mind that there was no actual evidence of fraud. Night after night, Powell relentlessly targeted Dominion in press conferences and on right-wing news. But according to Powell, the conspiracy against Trump didn't just involve Dominion. No, no. It was an international syndicate of globalists, communists, corporations, and ghosts, including the ever-present right-wing boogeyman George Soros, Hillary Clinton, and the very, very dead Hugo Chavez. Descansa en paz, Senor Chavez. Powell famously promised to release the Kraken in a flurry of lawsuits that would finally prove her claims once and for all. I can hardly wait to put forth all the evidence we have collected on Dominion, starting with the fact it was created to produce altered voting results in Venezuela for Hugo Chavez. I'm going to release the Kraken. But it turns out, and this is going to shock you, the Kraken wasn't real after all. The last of Powell's lawsuits were thrown out by the conservative majority U.S. Supreme Court earlier this month. Even the beer guy couldn't help Donald out. And instead of the vindication she so badly sought, Powell was slapped with a $1.3 billion lawsuit by none other than Dominion Voting Systems. In other words, she's now in serious legal jeopardy. 
And that brings us to the news of this week, because despite all of her allegations and her frivolous legal challenges and the blatant disinformation campaign she led before an audience of millions, Sidney Powell is now casting her statements in a very different light. Powell responded to the lawsuit by saying that, I mean, no reasonable person would conclude that the statements she made about Dominion were truly statements of fact. In other words, the people to blame for taking the former lawyer to the president of the United States seriously were those in the MAGA base who believed her, some of whom hauled off and stormed the Capitol. Hey, guys, I think she's calling y'all suckers. A New York court says Rudy Giuliani repeatedly lied. And because of that, he can no longer practice law. I want to get straight to CNN's Paula Reed. So, Paula, why did the court rule the way it did? Dana, this is a stunning development for a man who was once one of the nation's top law enforcement officials. Now, in its opinion, this state appellate panel concluded that there is uncontroverted evidence that Giuliani communicated demonstrably false and misleading statements to courts, to lawmakers, and to the public at large in his capacity as a lawyer for former President Trump and the Trump campaign in connection with Trump's failed effort at re-election in 2020. They concluded that what he did is a threat to the public interest, which is why he has now been suspended from the practice of law. Minnesota pillow entrepreneur Mike Lindell has made allegations of widespread election fraud his brand, starting almost immediately after the 2020 election. Lindell claims he spent more than $3 million investigating fraud and recently paid for a two-hour video he said would be absolute proof that the election was stolen from President Donald Trump. But to date, he has produced no original evidence. Instead, Lindell recycles conspiracy theories from others. We watched his absolute proof video, seen here, and asked him about his most consistent claims during a two-hour video interview with the Star Tribune. Let's take a deeper look at those claims and fact-check how they've been debunked. Lindell's first claim, that makers of voting machines conspired to flip votes from Trump to Joe Biden. Here's what strikes me funny, that nobody, nobody wants to look at this and say, hey, let's look at this. In Antrim County in Michigan, they have the case there. 7,000 votes were flipped inside the machine, and it matches my forensics perfectly. This false claim originated after unofficial results showed Biden suspiciously leading by a large margin in the Republican-leaning Antrim County. Yet according to the Michigan Department of State, this was caused by human error when a Republican county clerk forgot to update the software used to collect data from the voting machines. A hand recount of paper ballots confirmed that Dominion's equipment accurately tabulated the votes cast for president in Antrim County, which Trump won by 3,800 votes. Lindell's second claim that other countries led by China interfered in the election by hacking voting machines. I mean, if you guys watch this, you're going to go, wow, our country is under attack. This isn't Democrat and Republican. You know, this is China. 60% of these attacks, the IP addresses and the IDs of the computers, this is inside the spyware, came over here from China. The federal agency that oversees U.S. election security says it's not possible to hack electronic voting machines without the intrusion being recorded via logs and software checks of voting systems. Last year, each state's post-election review found no evidence of vote manipulation by foreign hackers or any other widespread fraud. Lindell's third claim 
that ballots were fraudulently cast in the names of dead people and other ineligible voters. Why would, why would dead people, here, let's just take Georgia. Georgia, he lost by 11,730 votes. You take that, there was 27,000 people that don't live in Georgia voted for Biden. This is craziness. Lindell's video cycles through charts listing large numbers of dead people and ineligible voters, but he provided no sourcing. In Georgia, Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger said only two voters in the 2020 presidential election were found to be deceased. He also added that many people living out of state can lawfully vote in Georgia, including college students and military personnel. None of these repackaged claims has persuaded any judge from overturning the results of the election, nor did they stop state or federal lawmakers from certifying Joe Biden's win. Lindell's motivations for continuing his misinformation campaign are unclear, but this could cost him everything. Dominion, the company at the center of his conspiracies, has countered with a $1.3 billion defamation suit, exposing Lindell and the MyPillow he founded to potential financial ruin. A new report released by a group of prominent conservatives has now reviewed every single election fraud raised in six crucial swing states, and here's what they found. Quote, Absolutely no evidence of fraud in the 2020 presidential election on the magnitude necessary to shift the result in any state, let alone the nation as a whole. Tonight, the lawsuits brought by President Trump and his campaign after the election. What are judges saying about them? Tonight, from Michigan to Pennsylvania to Nevada, the judges have been clear, and the messages and emails sent out to the president's supporters saying we're closer than ever and it's happening. Where is that money going? Here's Terry Moran. For all the sound and fury on Twitter and TV from President Trump and his allies about election fraud, the courts where evidence gets scrutinized, authenticated, and tested, they're getting hammered. More than two dozen cases have been brought and no finding of fraud from any judge, state or federal, Republican or Democratic. Case after case tossed out and the judges strikingly dismissive of the claims. In Michigan, Republicans claimed they had evidence the count should be stopped. The judge wasn't having it. I heard somebody else say something. Tell me why that's not hearsay. Come on now. In Nevada, Republican lawyers claimed their observers weren't close enough. The judge snapped. At what point does this get ridiculous? In Pennsylvania, Trump's lawyers claimed their observers were being blocked, then admitted they were in the room. The judge, a Republican appointee, firing back, I'm sorry, then what's your problem? Still, the Trump campaign is bombarding supporters, sending hundreds of emails looking for money, claiming progress. This election is far from over. We're gaining momentum. We're closer than ever. It's happening. But a chunk of that money went to retire the president's campaign debt, and now the fine print reads that 60% of each contribution first to save America. That's Trump's own new political action committee. Former President Donald Trump launching his own NFT collection, Trump fans will be able to collect limited edition Trump digital trading cards. And Trump being Trump, he shot a commercial for it. Listen. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump digital cards just like a baseball card or other collectibles.